Hi, I'm Kirsten Leo, and this is the Light Path Podcast, brought to you by thelightpathcollective.com. I am passionate about exploring energetic practices, spiritual principles, healing modalities, and connecting to the experience and wisdom of others to illuminate our paths and live at our greatest capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love. On today's episode of the Light Path Podcast, I have a little confession for you that I happen to be a recovering perfectionist. This perfectionism has kind of served me in a lot of ways, so it's not a recovery process that I necessarily was rushing to go through. But having looked at it, having uncovered my whys and gotten down deep to the root of it, it has actually provided me so much freedom. In discussing this, I hope that if it's something that you also struggle with, it may help you also. Hello, thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Light Path podcast, where I come to you with a reflection or a confession of a part of my personality, my life that I really want to share with you. And that is that I am an active recovering perfectionist. And although I can laugh at myself in this aspect of my life, I think the more I have looked into my perfectionist nature and the tendencies, not of necessarily what I'm doing, but of the why I'm doing it. So the intention behind pushing myself to a level of perceived perfect has really, um, taught me so much about myself and giving given me so much scope for healing and growth and bucket loads of space to love myself in ways that aren't possible when I'm trying to be so perfect. So my journey with perfectionism probably has always been there. Um, but to be honest, I was really praised for it. You know, during school, I would work really hard to uh, do my best and I was praised for that. I love setting myself challenges and going for it quietly. You know, I kind of work quietly and and just slog away at it. And I remember on uh, when I left high school, I went to a pretty small school and um all the teachers wrote on a card for each of us individually. So it's was, it was a really nice, beautiful token I had. And, and the maths teacher, my maths teacher wrote on the card, whenever I think of you, I think of the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I kind of wore that as a personal little quiet badge of honor. And I think that that was the key to a lot of successes in my life. But there is a point where you where that tips over and it can not be the thing that inspires you but maybe the thing that holds you back and i think when we think of perfectionism we might think of someone whose entire life is perfect and mine was not and my perfectionism doesn't really filter into every aspect to the extreme in in, in all parts of my life but i know it does enough in terms of bubbling there under the surface and driving me that for me I realized the limitations it was offering me 
rather than the expansive opportunities I felt that it was creating. So by sharing this um, and by sharing anything I do here, especially that vulnerable stuff about myself, my intention behind it really is yes, to be honest, but just to shed light on it because something I say might trigger something in you something I say might make you feel less alone in in how you're experiencing your life and the things you do so it's with that intention that I am allowing myself to be a little bit vulnerable and talk through my experiences of perfectionism uh, confessing the things that I have maybe done and now I understand has driven me to do so and the things that I allow myself and I'm testing myself in doing to maybe begin to find a little wiggle room in the concept of perfectionism. And I didn't really know I was a perfectionist until I was in my late 20s and I was teaching kindergarten in a school and in Sydney. And I had a teacher's aide that would work alongside me in the classroom for a few hours a day. And the teacher's aide job is literally just to aid, I guess, in anything that I needed help with, whether it was the children or the setups or classroom management or maintenance. And um, I have always prided myself on working really, really hard. And I've been praised, you know, as I shared for working really, really hard. And I like things to be done right, perfectly, for want of a better word. And so my teacher's aide at the time is just one of the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life. And she's definitely someone I admire and look up to. She's wise and she's grounded and and so she at the time was putting up a artwork display in my classroom and she wasn't even like a quarter of the way through the job where she turned and she asked me like does it look right is it right and I looked up to what she was doing and she literally had a ruler out uh, making sure that the the paintings that she were hanging were in the most perfectly arranged straight line And I looked at her and I went, oh, yeah, no, that looks really good. And she's like, I just don't know. I know what you're like. I know you want it to look perfect. I don't want to get it wrong. And it was in that mirroring moment that I stopped dead and I thought, oh, my gosh, is that what I'm really like? And so we joked about it and, you know, moved on with our day. But that has stuck with me and kind of chipped away at my consciousness for quite some time and I questioned like do people just think that I'm like that because it's what it looks like on the surface or because I do do things that aesthetically look like they're all pulled together or do I speak this in terms of my expectations of myself and others and to be honest it was probably a bit of everything but my perfectionism really wasn't that delved into until I read Brene Brown's book, Gifts of Imperfection. To be honest, there wasn't really much wiggle room in my life for imperfection. I didn't feel comfortable with it. And to be honest, I judged 
imperfection. So if I was to do something, I was going to do it well and I was going to do it as perfectly as I possibly could. Now, I'm not an extreme perfectionist in that I don't have an obsessive personality. So this didn't filter in to the extreme in any aspect of my life. But just because it's not extreme and doesn't completely take over doesn't mean it's not this subtle river of energy on thought processes bubbling underneath the surface actually influencing everything that I did to the point where there is one thing that I in my life that has always bothered me I haven't been able to achieve and it was only speaking to a very old friend recently where when we were younger I would guess we had this conversation when we were in our late teens this person, this friend of mine, um, his job was to be an athlete. So he was a professional athlete. And I shared with him at the time that I had this goal. I said, I'd really love to be able one day to run a half marathon. And he laughed at me at the time and said, oh my gosh, like that's not an achievable goal for you. You don't have the right body type to run a half marathon. And that has always stuck with me. And it is always graded on me. Now, I also don't have a passion (laughs) that big to run a half marathon. I want to do it. But for 20 years, I've only ever wanted to do it to prove him wrong and to be as perfect as I could and definitely um, to do something that other people thought I couldn't. And to be honest, that has driven a lot of big decisions in my life. And to this day, I haven't run the half marathon, but it's always annoyed me that I haven't done it. And I said to him recently, you know, you said this to me about 20 years ago and it's always really bothered me. And he laughed and he said, oh my gosh, first of all, what an asshole thing to say to you. And he's like, but I do not remember saying that. But he said, you know what's really funny about that? Two things. One, anyone can run a half marathon. So I don't even believe what I said. But secondly, imagine telling you that you can't do something because the moment I would say no to you, I know that's your invitation to go and do it. So he said, he goes, I don't know why I said it because I don't even remember saying it. He said, but I can imagine it was just to annoy you because I knew that once you decided to do something, you would find a way to do it. And so this perfectionism that had been kind of bubbling under the surface never really had any context to it for me intellectually because I'd never really looked into it. So once I read The Gifts of Imperfection, I kind of couldn't not see it anymore. And once you don't see, once you see something, you can't unsee it. And I often say to clients, because this has been my experience in healing, I think often, you know, up to 90% of the healing is done once we just are able to identify the issue. And for me, what I've realized is that my tendency towards perfectionism and more importantly for me, what has driven it has led me on the surface to so much opportunity and achievement, but underneath has actually really limited me in the expansion and the fun and the creativity that could have 
resulted, I believe, in so much more than my perfected outcome and goals ever allowed me to. So in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, Brene Brown has this quote that hit me square between the eyes. It says, perfectionism is not the same thing as striving to be your best. So I, well, as soon as I read that, I was like, that's not right. <laughs> um, because I always thought that it was the same thing. Um, I was always striving to be my best. But in my case, and as I will read on, it actually was the same energy for me. And it was the same intention. Because Brene Brown continues, Perfectionism is the belief that if we live perfect, look perfect, and act perfect, we can minimize or avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. And when I reflect on the ways in which I want to be perfect, I would absolutely say that my wanting to achieve things, my wanting things to look really thoroughly done and and done very, very well on the outside was actually the intention underneath that was that so I could minimize that judgment and that blame and that shame from the outside. It's almost as if if I do it right, no one can tell me that I'm wrong. And this shield, as Brene Brown refers to it, was actually on reflection, really, really uh, preventing me, I guess, from exploring and letting go and having fun, taking risks um, that I didn't really know I could control the outcome of. So this striving and this, you know, I was really wanting this achievement and growth was really disguised as this energy of perfectionism because I wanted to self-protect. I wanted to, you know, like anyone, not be judged or not be seen less than. But the truth, as we all know, with perfectionism is that pure perfectionism is just unattainable. Like it's just not ever something we're going to be able to achieve. So for example, if I had achieved the half marathon, I bet you any money that I probably wouldn't have stopped there. And I would have said, right, I'm doing that again, but I'm doing it at a better time. And so this isn't about healthy achievement and growth. This is actually about an all self-improvement. This was actually about nothing is ever kind of good enough. And what I thought was my hard work on my ethics of success and, and working hard to achieve that, what it really actually left me with was a sense of lack and anxiety, um, definitely missed opportunities because I held on so tightly to outcomes and was so tunneled vision to achieve them that I wasn't able to let life flow and surprise and delight me to a large extent. And when she talks about 
perfectionism being a way to minimize or avoid shame I thought that was really interesting and it's almost like if if I do it perfectly then I can't be shamed into not being good enough or I can't be shamed into you're not the best at and none of this none of this came from my outside world it came from my inside world and Brene Brown talks about that wherever perfectionism exists so on whatever level it exists like I said I wasn't like super extreme but and still not super extreme but where it exists shame is always lurking so in order to heal anything it's not the topsoil it's at the roots so I have to go into the shame of it So how did I, you know, how am I recovering? How am I kind of getting myself out of this? And quite frankly, to be honest, for me, it's about cultivating a beautiful balance between having high expectations of myself and really enjoying the challenge of achieving them, yet at the same time, allowing myself the space and the grace to be creative and explore along the way. And as you know, most of you know that listen to me and, and my story and, and where I've been and what I've done, I was working for 20 years as part of a system that had right and wrong ways of doing things, that has standards, and there wasn't much wriggle room for individuality. And I never really sought that. I, I liked the rules. I liked keeping to the rules and I and because I liked that, people put me in leadership roles where, you know, I was supposed to exemplify that and um, ensure that others were towing the same lines that I was towing. And and that really spoke to my perfectionist nature. So then when I went into business for myself, there are no uh, rules. <laughs> there were no KPIs except the ones that I created for myself. And it was in those first few months of business that I was able actually unknowingly but you know these are the the gifts I guess that that come through life when we you know follow the nudges and allow things to be just as they are is that I learned that when nothing is certain everything is possible and rather than that overwhelming that excited me and I was able to more intently listen to my intuition and make decisions based on what felt right rather than what perceived outcome I was going to get and it's probably part of the reason I didn't start this podcast for a really long time because I had to build up my trust muscle in that and the more I did it as with anything the more I trusted myself the more I just flowed and allowed the inspiration to come through and follow that in the business decisions that I've made down to what it looks like the things that I offer the people that I work with the stronger I get at trusting that and I'm going to be really honest the more opportunities that open up for me so a lot of people will ask me you know how did you start your business how how did you build it and all of those things maybe wanting to do something similar not the same but you know something similar for themselves and I I don't really have an answer to that because if I had sat down and said this is how it's going to go and these are all the things I'm launching and these are all the things I'm going to create from word go and had a timetable to that it 
it would not be what it is today and I guarantee you it wouldn't have worked to the point where I don't even um, a lot of creators will schedule for example their social media content I don't do that because for me it's about trusting the creativity that will come through and delivering things in real time knowing that it is the right time without too much forward thinking so where does imperfection come into that and how have I created I guess space for that and the honest answer is I really don't know but I do know from reading Brene Brown's work that it lies somewhere in the realm of having a little more space and grace or she calls it empathy for myself in being who I am without it having to be anything in particular. Coming up on the podcast, I'm going to be sharing an episode with you where I speak to Anita East and she talks about, you know, the pressure that society puts on us, especially as women, to look perfect. And she's a, you'll meet her, she's amazing, but it's this external pressure saying no to that that honestly is my secret sauce saying no and not becoming um, a victim to that pressure on the outside to be anything other that I am and I think my age has um, played a lot into that but I'm going to be really honest with you the confession is, is that I still struggle with this and I still want to judge myself really, really harshly and I still want to compare and I still want to be in a lot of ways much more perfect than I perceive myself to be. But as we know, we are all, every single one of us, perfectly imperfect, just the way we are. And the grace and space that we can create for ourselves to be just as we are is always going to empower others to be just as they are. This is why I really am careful about who I follow on social media. And more and more, I unfollow people that have this false, I guess, narrative about their life and how perfect it is. And the more and more I follow people that are just themselves so if you've taken anything from this um confession and the recovery i am constantly going through just every day a little bit more giving myself a little bit more space and grace not to do things perfectly is that none of us are perfect yet we are absolutely perfect at the same time And that everyone has an inner critic and an inner conversation going on that is very highly tuned to reminding ourselves that we're not good enough and that we can help each other by reminding each other and supporting each other in all the ways that we aren't perfect. I had a friend say to me the other day, um, oh, congrats on the podcast. I've been listening. I love how unpolished it is. And so you can imagine my insides just wanted to die at the time. And I was saying this, I was having a conversation with my brother-in-law about this. And I said, oh, do you know what she said? 
she said she loved it how unpolished it is and he looked at me like I was nuts but he usually looks at me like I'm nuts so that I expected and he said most of the podcasts I listen to aren't polished I've been listening to this episode he was going on and on and on and on and on about this episode with this interviewer and I cannot remember his name for the life of me but he was interviewing Shia LaBeouf and this episode was like over like an hour and a half long and he really wanted me to listen to it because he thought the content was really good in it and so to honor him I wanted to do that so I listened to it and all I could think of was how unpolished it was and I'm like here they are they're in like a proper recording studio he's like a big Hollywood movie star even though I don't really know who Shia LaBeouf is but I just know he's a movie star um and it is so unpolished and I think that this is the charm of life so I hope that this year is about us being so unpolished but so real and so raw because as people we are not supposed to be polished we are not supposed to be perfect so if you are just like me a recovering perfectionist and allowing yourself the space and grace to be just as you are without judging it in terms of how good it is I applaud you I would love to hear about it and actually I would love for you to share any tips and tricks that you use it might be phrases words affirmations it might be literal physical things that you do because I'm still learning so I I would love to learn from you and implement some of the things that you use so go ahead onto the Facebook page and in our private community group the light path um, community and share with me how you deal uh, with the challenges that perfectionism may present you. But for now, thank you so much again for joining. And as always, I'm just sending you so much love as you walk your path of light. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Light Path Podcast. I hope that the information shared here has helped illuminate your path. Be sure to check out the show notes for links related to this episode. While you're there, remember to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. I'm Kirsten Leo, and I can't wait to explore and expand our capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love together in the next episode.